for the time that I have with you all, I'm going to be sharing from Luke chapter 6. And um, it's a lot of, pa- lot of verses that um, I'm going to go through. So I'm going to be skipping, um, you know, throughout this lengthy passage. Um, but, you know, before I begin, let me share this word. I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 6, uh, verses 12 through 36. So if you have your Bibles or if you have your apps, so feel free to dive into that right now. And I'm going to be reading from the NIV. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray. And he spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them whom he also designated apostles. Verse 17. So he went down with them and stood on the level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, and from the coast of Tyre and Sidon who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by evil spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and blessing them all. Looking at his disciples, he said, I'm going to go through verse 24 and so on. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for that is how their fathers treated the false prophets. Verse 27, but I tell you who hear me, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them to you. Verse 35, but love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. This is the word of God. Would you join me in prayer? Uh, Lord, we want to lift this time up to you, and Lord, as we dive into your word right now, um, Lord, we know that the spirit is moving, Uh, we know that you are alive, and we know that you speak through your word. So Lord, may it be your word, Lord, that reveals what you have called us to. And I pray that you will use me simply as an instrument within the Redeemer's hands. I am nothing without you. So Lord, may you be glorified through this time. Uh, we lift this time up to you. We thank you. In your son's name we pray. Amen, 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 amen. Um, one thing I am a firm believer of, one of the most important components to our faith right now is this idea of community. And in some of the most difficult times, in an unprecedented year, 2020, I really believe that when we think about community, uh, it is more needed than ever. See, you and I, we need community knowing that there are so many suffering in the silence, experiencing the realities of depression. And it's for community to remind us that we need to hear a voice. 
you and I, we, we need community when we're experiencing the discouragement because of that trap uh, experience of addiction and brokenness. I'm a firm believer that you and I, well, we need community for the sake of accountability. You and I, we need community, knowing that so many are simply in need of just a lot of hope as we're continuing to witness the racial injustice and the political divide that continues to plague this nation. And I can probably speak for all of us to say that you and I, we need just a little bit of encouragement. And what we see right here in Luke chapter 6 is that Jesus Christ himself, the very son of God, he makes it clear that community, the people of God, is so essential to our lives. And we see this in his teaching in Luke chapter 6. And uh, I'm going to go through three points to just kind of navigate our time today. Um, The three points we have in Luke 6 is, number one, the calling to Christian community why we need it. Secondly, the values of Christian community. What does it look like? And finally, the power for Christian community. How do we get it? Let's dive into our first point, the calling to community. Now, in Luke chapter 6, what we see is there's a lot of standalone passages, and it can probably be broken up into many ways. But I would argue that the overarching theme of Luke chapter 6 is actually of the statuses and the practices of Jesus' community. So we see this beginning in uh, verse 12. Through 16, what do we see? Jesus Christ, he goes up to the mountaintop. He begins to pray. And as he prays and as he's receiving the word of God, he then goes down. And as he goes down, what does he do? What is the first thing that he does after he has a word with the Lord? He comes and he gathers his 12 disciples. And then he begins to teach. The question we want to kind of ask ourselves right now is, why was it so important for Jesus to gather to the 12 disciples? To help us answer this, we got to look back into the book of Exodus, right? There's a parallel, right? What do we see in the book of Exodus? In Exodus chapter 19, we find God's servant Moses on another mountaintop, Mount Sinai, and he would receive the law of God. And as he receives the law of God, what does he do? He doesn't gather 12 disciples, but he gathers the 12 tribes of Judah and then begins to teach them the law. The question we want to ask was, what was the purpose of Moses delivering the law? Now, if you grasp this, we kind of grasp the context of why he gathers the 12 disciples. The purpose, the primary reason of the Ten Commandments given to God's people was primarily for this, to gather and unite God's people. Now hear this, the purpose of the law, it was not to save God's people from slavery. Why? In Exodus chapter 20, God already declared he took them out of slavery. Rather, so what that means is when you look into the purpose of the law, after the freedom experience, the purpose of the law was to help God's people to be this, a radically new community that society has never, ever seen. 
So when we look back at Luke chapter 6, when Jesus gives a certain a sermon of the mount to the 12 disciples, it tells us this primary reason for gathering the 12 disciples was to have them become a whole new community with one purpose, to hear and to be healed. This community that Jesus is calling them to be was meant to be radically different from any other community that they've seen. We see this specifically in two ways, and it's very practical for us. First thing we see in Jesus' community, this calling to Jesus' community goes way beyond ethnic background and social status. Looking at verse 17, Jesus includes both Jew and Gentile and all people from Judea and Jerusalem. What does that mean? God's community, you and I, Believers, non-believers, we're meant to come together to cross every racial and class barrier. Something I think we all got to remind ourselves, especially during today's climate. Secondly, what do we see? That the calling to his community was not based on one's religiosity and one's righteousness, righteous behavior. Right? It wasn't about how well they did ministry. It wasn't how good and how obedient they were to the law. What's the proof? Look at the disciples that he's actually called. They constantly failed. They fell asleep and left Jesus alone during the time of his agony in the garden. Peter would deny him. Judas betrayed him. Thomas doubted. And at the cross, all the disciples, they deserted him and they fled. But here's the thing. Besides Judas, they were all still called because it was God that wanted to use them to build his kingdom. And it brings us to this point. God has called his people. He has called you and I to be part of this radical community. Broken people in need of a perfect savior Desperate people in need of everlasting joy. See, if if we're honest, if I'm a little honest, we tend to run away because of our mess. We tend to hide because of our sins. We are more susceptible to overcompensate when we're going through our sufferings. But look at what Jesus is doing into this community. He creates his community through suffering. He builds his community through weakness. It was the mess that led Jesus to work perfectly on the cross. So let the calling of his disciples right now encourage you to consider what brings you and I to community. Knowing that God calls you and I to be part of his family, not because of how perfect you abide the law, but simply by abiding in the love of Jesus. And I want to invite you today, not to a perfect community, we most certainly are not, but want to invite you to a community that loves a perfect Savior. See, you and I, we need it. We need community. 
We need to people of God to encourage us, to renew us, to remind us of hope when we are in desperate need. Think about your everyday life. Think about how everything is so much greater in the context of community. You know, one of the things for me I, I love is, uh, just like everyone else, right, I, I love food, right? But I'm a, I'm a big, big foodie. I'm, I'm that guy that will eat anything and everything, right? I mean, I remember, uh, you know, going through your social feed, and I'm going through the Epiphany Gloucester um, Insta handle, and I remember y'all were roasting like a, a, a pig, and I remember I was like, I hope I'm called to this ministry because I want to experience it. I should have just pulled up on, I should have just been there, I should just come out. <laughs> Man, and think about that, um, think about this, that moment, thinking about the food that I love, and I'm just realizing, thinking about how much greater it is when you do experience, even something as everyday as food, how much greater it is within the context of people. It's the same reason why we can't go to restaurants by ourselves, right? We, we got to do it within the context of community. You want to argue with what's better, and you want to agree with what's really good. We need community, and so it is with the Christian faith. You and I, we need community. It's an experience in worship and in repentance and in renewal. And when you do it within his body, it is just so much more enjoyable. Why? Because we are simply called to enjoy his presence within the context of a local church. So what do we see in this text? We see Jesus. He's not just calling us to community, but he also tells us, which is our second point, on what it should look like. This leads to our second point, the values of community. What should it look like? Now, look at verse 20. What we see is that he begins to highlight his community, specifically making a reference to a kingdom, God's community. And in God's community in his kingdom, what he does in verses 20 through 26 is he begins to distinguish his kingdom with the world. Now, what we see is, uh, you know, before I get into those kingdom, uh, kingdom values, just briefly want to highlight what values that this kingdom is against, right? When you look at verses 24 through 26, what Jesus makes very clear is that what he does not value is what here. Uh, what he says here in verses 24 through 26, where he particularly calls woes. So what does he say? He says, but woe to you who are rich. Woe to you who are well fed now. Woe to you who laugh. That's a reference to just a condescending tone, right? And woes to those who are speaking highly of, ones that seek worldly approval. Now, that's what he's against. But now, let me you know, hear me. Uh, I want to kind of slow up, right? And, you know, uh, just to make clear, uh, what Jesus is not saying is that you can't be successful, right? He's not saying that. You can be successful. Uh, what he is not saying is that you can't be rich. Jesus is saying you, you can be rich. In fact, I'm sure Pastor Joe says, I hope you tithe well. But what Jesus is saying when he's referring to the woes and worldly success and riches is that when it becomes your ultimate value, when it becomes your everything, when it, it uh, builds you to the point where you are prideful, arrogant, and selfish, well, then Jesus says, I don't align with that. Yeah. See, if you value your success, your career, and your kingdom above God's kingdom, well, there's no 
room in the kingdom because it reflects that you want to play king. Yeah. And scripture tells us Jesus is already sitting on his throne. Right. See, the values of Jesus' community are radically different from the values that I just referred to. What does Jesus say? Well, in verses 20 through 23, Jesus says, you're blessed if you're poor, you're blessed if you hunger, you are blessed if you weep, and you are blessed if they hate you. In other words, what God's people are to value is what the world sees as worthless. That you will see value in your suffering because God is with you in it. That you will value pain because God is working through it. And that you will value weakness because God is blessing you to be more like him. Now the question becomes, well, how do these values shape community? Right? Because if you want to know anything uh, about values, right, when you value something, it's always reflected through action. Right? And I believe, right, if we become a community, if Epiphany Gloucester becomes a community that values blessings, the weakness, the brokenness, and suffering, it does two things. Number one, not only will this community be more welcoming, not only will it be more gracious, not only will it be a more forgiving community, but what scripture tells us is that it will also shape the relationships with people outside of the community. Right? Look at verse 7, 27. It says, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If somebody slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. See, the values of a true Christian community when interwoven with one another, what it should do is it should allow us to be a more loving people. And I just want to highlight this, that we are to be a more loving people, not just with one another, right? If you think about it, that's easy. But how much more difficult it is to love to the people who are against you because of what you value. I want to highlight this, because when we look at verse 27, right? Verse 27 is I tell you who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you want to highlight what it means to do good. Because I think that's important to this contest because when we talk about weakness into the community, weakness does not mean to allow for any shape of abuse or injustice, right? Why? Because in verse 27, when it says what it means to do good, whenever you see the word good, it actually often means to pursue justice and mercy. So when Jesus is saying to do good, what Jesus is saying that when these things happen to you, when there is persecution, when there are enemies that are against you, that you are to res not respond in sin, that you are still called to pursue in a, in a godly way. But even if that means that you're giving the person an opportunity to slap you again, what does that mean? It means that you can speak, but you will not slander. It means that you can stand but you will not attack. Right. Now, let, let's be real. Uh, you know, when I'm, just for a lot of us right now, I'm assuming that, uh, um, you know, many people, you know, 
we might not have a lot of enemies because of, you know, our Christian uh, faith and, you know, this idea of persecution. I mean, if you do have a lot of enemies, that's probably uh, like a whole nother issue and sermon, but that's not the time. But when you see here, right, to this idea of enemies against you, what Jesus does make clear is this, that there will be enemies, there are going to be people that will be against you. There are going to be people that will not be for you. There are going to be coworkers that are going to try to overstep you to get a higher position. There are going to be uh, friends who you thought that were friends, but they uh, do uh, what God calls them not to do in terms of uh, not taming the tongue and uh, spreading gossip. When you think about those, how do you respond? in terms of what Jesus has called you to, right? Will you respond in the same way? Or will you respond by standing in light of godly integrity? To be a true community that values weakness and humility is what God has called to. But here's the thing. It is not an easy thing to do. Why? We never naturally want to show how weak we are, right? But Jesus says be weak. Why? Because when we are weak, he is strong. All of this, when we uh, see how the community is shaped by God's gospel, when we see how the community is being shaped because of Jesus Christ, what Jesus says, what he teaches is very clear, that lives will be saved, that lives will be renewed when we become this radical community because it's something that the communities that surround us has never seen before. So you, we want, do we want the gospel to be spread in the city of Gloucester? It has to come through the weakness. It has come through the brokenness. Why? Because what Jesus says and he promised is that his power is made perfect in weakness. And that's our third and final point, beloved. How do we become this church? Verse 35 through 36. And your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Now, as Jesus, what he's doing as he's concluding his disposition on loving his enemies is actually interesting when you look at verse 35 through 36. Why? Because all of a sudden, he kind of throws some shade upon his disciples, right? Look at it. Here he says, yeah, disciples, make sure y'all love your enemies. Make sure that you are gracious, right? Make sure you respond in a very humble way. Love your enemies. Those enemies, yes, love those enemies. But y'all are wicked. Y'all are ungrateful, right? In the original Greek, right, that often translates to even evil. But here's the thing. What does Jesus say in verse 35 and 36? But at the same time, we are children of the Most High. We are evil, but we are still children. We are wicked, but we are loved. Church, 
This is the power for our community right now. When you understand that you and I were God's enemy because of sin, and you needed someone to love you so much that he would personally die for you so that the debt of sin and the justice of God would be satisfied. And through that work, we are now his children. Well, this is the power of uh, transformative faith. This is the power of a true community in all of our lives. We hope, we dream of that one day that there would be that one someone that would fight for us, live for us, and die for us because they love us. Well, here it is in Scripture. And the Bible tells us that someone does that for you and I. Where do we see this? Well, later in the book of Luke. What do we see? We see Jesus Christ on the cross, and he obeyed perfectly to what he asks of his people. On the cross, Jesus was not cursed, but he was mocked. On the cross, Jesus wasn't just mistreated, he was completely forgotten. On the cross, Jesus was not just slapped, but he had nails in his flesh. On the cross, Jesus was not just stripped of his tunic, but he was stripped naked in complete humiliation. See, on the cross, Jesus Christ became God's enemy so that you and I will no longer have to be his enemies. Jesus Christ, he lost his sonship. He lost all of his rights as a child so that you and I would be adopted and accepted as children of God. See, when the gospel is center, you can accept anyone as your greatest enemy. When the gospel is center, you can sacrifice your rights to benefit your brother and your sister. When the gospel is center, you can find joy in weakness and suffering to not only find intimacy with the Lord, but with the people that you are standing with right now. That is the power for our community. The same transformative power that shaped our lives is the same transformative power that will shape this community and this city for the sake of the gospel. You know, as I begin to close, if I could just share briefly about how community has shaped me. I'm not, I'm not just saying this just because of what I see in text, but I personally, beloved church, have experienced this as well. You know, it was only five years ago in my life and ministry, right, where I had to go through some of the most difficult of hardships, the most difficult uh, uh, experiences of depression and anxiety and just uncertainty, Right? So you got to understand, right, when, 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 you know, the one thing in, in I'm going to put some context here, right? In 2015, right, um, a pastor, a preacher, someone that's doing ministry, right, uh, um, you never want to be public about a lot of your brokenness. But for whatever reason, God wanted to bless me in the weakness. And he made this very real brokenness and suffering in, in public. And, you know, what I had to go through was this uh, this divorce, right? 
And, you know, you think about what a divorce entails, man, that, that stuff is never easy, man. Whenever I think about people that are going through divorce and broken families, man, my, my heart my heart goes out to you because because my prayers will go out because that is no easy thing, right? And I remember for me, uh, in 2015, I had to go through that myself, right? And it was probably the most difficult um, experience that I've ever had to gone through in my life, right? You add the ministry aspirations and the, the, the pressure, and then you add the uh, Korean cultural context that you shouldn't do such things as divorce, and all of a sudden, it's all in, in my face, and I'm just miserable, broken, I'm uh, broken for my sin, um, you know, I'm slowly beginning to uh, just wonder wonder what God is calling me to, but here's the thing, in this moment of weakness and brokenness, what it did was it allowed God to reveal himself in many, many ways, but one way in particular is through this idea of community, because what happened was, for whatever reason God wanted him, me to do and go through, he put me through this community. He led me to brothers, to pastors, to now uh, godly men who, all, who I call now my spiritual father figures to counsel me, to walk with me, to draw me to repentance over my sins for the sake of just renewal. And here I stand, right here, right now, because of the brokenness, because of the weakness, I stand to you preaching of God's faithfulness that Christ is alive and he is working. And he most certainly worked in our weakness today for the sake of the gospel. I don't know if I'm the only one, but I know I need to hear his word. I don't know if I'm the only one, but I know I need to be reminded to have people around me to spur me on, to encourage me for the sake of the gospel. My hope, my prayer is that Epiphany Gloucester will be that community for the sake of this city. Will you join me in prayer right now? Lord, we want to lift this time up to you. We want to thank you for all that you have been doing uh, in Epiphany Gloucester and seeing a lot of the redemptive and restorative work uh, that is going on right now. And Lord, we pray, Lord, that this will not build any pride, that this will not build any egos, but Lord, that will draw us into a greater repentance. It will draw us into a, a, a real humility, knowing that you are doing all of the work. So Lord, in humility, in weakness, through our brokenness, Lord, and may you redeem, may you renew, and may you work through us, Lord, as the Apostle Paul reminds us, is that power, power is made perfect in weakness. So, Lord, may you be glorified. We lift all of this up to you. We thank you. In your son's precious name we pray. Amen.